You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. Wayne, it's one of those strange times, actually, because normally if you get a sell-off, you would get a sell-off because of some geopolitical event or because there's an inflation scare or something has happened. And it would come down and then it would gradually work its way back up. That's been the history of the last 12, yeah. 13 years. Just in the last five, six trading days, maybe a couple of days more, actually, it's been a steady sort of drip, drip, drip to the downside. I mean, it's nothing dramatic, of course. Yeah. We're still very close to record highs, particularly in the United States. But people haven't been as enthusiastic about buying the dips as they yeah. have, have before. Maybe that's a good thing. No, look, uh, yeah, look, I think the bull markets run its course specifically overseas in the USA. Mm. You know, all the big, all the big drivers of the bull market, which effectively turns out to be 80% low interest rates and 20% the recovery, well, make it 40% the recovery post the lockdowns and the virus and all the extra stimulus that they gave to the economy, those are not going to repeat themselves again. The next move in interest rates is up and the recovery, we've already recovered off that low base and all of the free money and the free checks are gone. Yes. So I, I can't see what's going to propel the market up from these levels. And earnings have probably peaked as well. Earnings have definitively peaked in commodity companies. Oh, yeah. But in general, earnings probably are at some sort of high level, of peak level. So you, you probably find the earnings won't be the next engine that powers it upwards uh, and interest rates as i've said the next move is up so i think the big drivers of the bull market are actually behind us now i don't know what the future holds obviously mm -hmm. um but I, I can't see a major massive collapse in the stock market because inevitably collapses are brought about by sustainably higher inflation, and I'll come to that, and some sort of debt bubble somewhere in the system, either consumer debt or banking debt or company debt or government debt. Now, the only one that is truly in place is government debt at the moment, but low, but long bond rates are low. Yeah, they really are, and they went low. They, they are properly low. Yeah, I mean, well, actually, after the jobs data last uh, last Friday, yields no, fell. yields fell, uh, bond prices went up, but yeah, people are people are fairly sanguine yeah. about so, inflation. Yeah, if you look at company earnings now, this is now the USA, they are back at pre-pandemic highs, yes. which of course is was also a high. You know, earnings are cyclical; they they seem to go up for about eight years and then some eight to 10 to 12 years and then some catastrophe happens and they go down. Yeah. Now we've had earnings going up eight years prior to the lockdown and all of those crises, but now they've recovered to that, to that level, to their previous high level. So I cannot see earnings going on another rampage up from this level. So you've taken away the 40% support, which was effectively the, the strong economy, which translates into earnings, and the 60% support, which is low interest rates and 
money being pumped in by the Fed. We know the Fed's going to do tapering. So I think the major bull market is over. But I can't see more, you know, maybe at worst 20 25% downside from the U.S. markets. And given the bull market that we've had, you know, that's actually very subdued, quite frankly. Well, it, t- it turns us technically so, but, 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 uh, but, so I see negative. Mm. Yeah, I see negative. I see negative equity returns for the next year or two. Okay, well that's interesting. I, I can't see this being sustained. Twenty to twenty-five percent is a is a large amount when when you're coming from not um, no, not no, not not when you've gone literally in the last year straight from up from three thousand to four thousand. Yeah, yeah, you know, and in the last let's just call it now the last four years you've doubled. You know, that's not that's not that. And I, as I said, that's what I think the worst is. Well, talking about in the last you know, four years, Wayne, 40. No, you're talking about the. Let's take a look at the S and P. I'm looking at my S and P future screen here. It's four thousand four hundred and fifty. Okay. Now, yeah, it was below two thousand two hundred. So it's more than doubled in nineteen months, eighteen months, in fact. Yeah, it's an extraordinary move. Yeah. Now look at. I mean, it, it is actually extraordinary, but it's been it's it's happened under extraordinary circumstances, eh? These low interest rates and the Federal Reserve pumping money in mm. are extraordinary circumstances. Now, I'm also sitting with my S&P chart in front of me. Yeah. And I'm looking at a very simplistic thing saying, how much has it gone up in the last two years? So looking at a 24-month percentage change, and it's 50%. Now, other than 96, 96 97, it's never gone up higher on a two-year basis. So we are at some sort of equity peak, but I, I don't see a 40% downside like has happened in every other peak because I, I, don't, I can't see a debt bubble around other than the government debts. And governments, governments are funny things. They can sustain debt significantly longer than consumers and companies can sustain debt because their, their debt costs, you know, if interest rates go up, the consumer and companies reprice almost immediately. The consumer certainly reprices immediately, and companies may have slightly long-term, longer-term debt, but they reprice, they reprice very quickly, whereas governments reprice over 10 or 12 years, you know, because their duration significantly longer. So I, I can't see a debt bubble being burst somewhere to cause a proper economic recession. So I, I can't see huge downside, but the upside's gone. You know, we are at the end of the bull market in America, and it's been a truly wonderful bull market. I mean, it has been truly a wonderful, a wonderful bull market. Yeah, it has been a wonderful bull market. People didn't believe it, and it was unloved. People always say, "Well, it's the most unloved bull market ever." But how can you not love a bull market? Because well, this is the, you're making money. This is the this is the this is the second strongest ten-year bull market in recorded history. That's quite a statistic. Yeah. The second strongest bull market up 300% in 10 years. And it's only been higher once before. And that was uh, the big recovery end of end of 90s, beginning of 2000s until the 2002 bubble burst. So there's a statistic for you. So I cannot see this bull market just continuing because, you know, as you said a few times now, mm. the underlying base of the bull market and support of the bull markets are going the other way over the next two or three years. And you've had a significant, uh, you've had a, a, a truly strong 
bull market. And when you look at the absolute valuations of the companies, you know, if you look at the S&P valuations, it's, it's at an earnings yield of 3%, which is as low as what it's ever got before. So you've got earnings at a peak because the economy is probably – it's, it's over the recovery and the free money's gone. Yeah. You've got interest rates at a low, then the next move is up. You've got the Federal Reserve pulling money out, no longer putting money in, and the valuations are at absolute record high. So you've got all the negatives, but I cannot see – to get a 40% fall, the long bond's got to go to 4%, and I can't see that happening. Maybe it goes to 2 but I can't see it going to 4%. So – I don't see a major correction, but as I said 10 times already, I think the bull market's behind us. Okay, and it might not be a crash. It just might be, it might be a sideways grind, bonds. Wayne. It might be just a sideways it might be, movement. It might be a bit of downside, hmm. but yeah. Okay, now let's have a look at South Africa now, and I'm going to give you a few statistics here. South Africa's retail sales, they fell 0.8% year-on-year in July. That's just come out today. After rising 10.5% in June, that's according to Stats SA. On a month-on-month basis, sales were down 11.2%. And then you get confused because it says sales rose 8.4% in the three months to the end of July compared with the same period. So it's a very yeah, noisy number. It's come down dramatically. It wasn't this when the unrest was happening. Didn't that happen in July? I don't remember. What is Isn't it now? This September. By that. Oh, it could be that, yeah, because there were no shops to open because they'd all, really, all, all been bashed up by Everything uh, closed, hooligans. Yeah. I might be wrong, but I think that's. I think that was what happened there. Why that's done? I think you're no, but right. Look, mm. SA is not doing too badly, despite all the unrest and all of that. It's doing okay. I mean, it's not great, and obviously, we wish it was significantly better. But it's certainly a lot better than what people thought six months ago. Uh, and we're going to probably grow over 4% this year. I mean, we're still on the back foot because we lost 6 7% last year. But it, it looks okay. Yeah, it does look okay. But there's a couple of things that also worry me because you've been talking, you were the, you were the only person that I've, of all my commentators that called the top of the commodity basket. Now, what we've got today, Wayne, is a perfect storm for South Africa because we've got PGMs under pressure. I mean, palladium below 2,000. Yes. We've got platinum below 1,000. We've got the gold price hovering, but yeah. gold is not as, as important. We've got yeah, uh, iron ore, which is a very – iron ore is a very important export of yeah. ours, and that's, uh, that's $100 per tonne lower than it was in May of this year. And yet, on the other hand – I think it's probably more than that – Probably is, but let's have a look at the West Texas crude price in the United States of America. It's seventy. Yeah, no, oils, oils are strange. It's nearly seventy-three dollars. Oils are strange. Yeah, oils are strange beast because it's, it's, it's. There's, there are two. Obviously, there are two major factors mm. in 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 oil. Uh, one is no one's invested any capital yeah. for eight years on. Brand new oil fields. Now, just though these are rough numbers, but they're not too bad. As we stand now, there's about 100 million barrels used a day uh, worldwide. And natural attrition, in other words, the wells drying out or yielding less, takes about 3 million, 4 million barrels off that consumption a year. And natural economic growth, even with going electric and all of these things in wind farms, 
at the moment, natural growth in oil consumption is about three or four million barrels a day. So every year, you've got to produce seven million more barrels of oil to balance the books. Okay. Now, that's been fine for three or four years because U.S. shale has filled that gap. But U.S. shale is full production now. So now you're sitting with – so that's the one factor. There's no new supply coming on stream because no one wants oil. No one's going to put capital into oil because in 10 years' time, everything will be electric and oil consumption will be 30 40% lower than what it is now. So no one's put CapEx in. And secondly, OPEC Plus is artificially restricting supply. So oil's a different beast to the other commodities, eh? Yes. So I can tell you what, if you, if you look at my screen now, it's flashing away all the time. Natural gas today up 6.2%. Brent crude oil up 3.1%. West Texas crude up 3.5%. I mean, Brent crude oil is now... At its highest level, well, it's, it's almost at its highest level uh, this year, which is the perfect storm for South Africa because we import all our energy or most of our energy. Yes. So it's, 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 yes, but the rand's roughly behaving itself. I mean, we're paying an absolute fortune yeah. per litre. I mean, fill your car up now. You know, you know, you know. In I, I had a mechanic who worked. You worked. You fixed. You fixed my cars for me. Yes. He ran, he ran his own business. He didn't work for me. He, I took my cars to him and he fixed them and I paid him. And he used to, he, he ran on a bit of a shoestring budget. So whenever anyone who had to use a car to go here to buy that spares or go there to drop something off, the, the car was always on empty that he used and he used to give a hundred rand. Because 20 years ago, if you put a hundred rands petrol in, you could ride for a long time. Now you put a hundred rands petrol in, in, and this is a work. It's actually a bucky that he's using. It's a work bucky. It's thirty years old. It's got terrible consumption. You know, a hundred rands petrol might get you thirty, forty kilometres maximum in that bucky. So you know, a hundred rands petrol doesn't go anywhere. I mean, I've, you know, living in South Africa, you've always got to keep petrol aside for your generator in case the lights go off, because that can also happen at any time. And in fact, there's another crisis unfolding in South Africa now, which I'll come back to. Yeah. But you can fill up a big barrel of petrol for your, for your generator. It's 400, 500 rand for a big container. And you don't run more than two or three or four lots of load shedding, and that container is gone. Eh? Now, it's a ter- terribly expensive. And just said, as I said, I'll come back to it. The biggest... Another crisis hitting South Africa now is there's no water. But I thought you'd had a wet winter. Oh, we're certainly in the Western Cape. Yes, no, the dams are full. No, the dams are full, but yeah, in the Gauteng area, for whatever reasons, they can't pump enough water into the reservoirs. So we get water shedding here every second day for about six hours. They just shut off the reservoirs so they can fill them up a little bit for nighttime consumption. So we are literally in water shedding in some parts. I don't know all parts of Joburg, but certainly where I am, and I hear on the news as well, traveling in the car, there are other areas as well, there's actually water shedding going on. So there's plenty of water in the dam and the rivers, but they just can't, for whatever reason, get it it into the reservoir. It's called infrastructure deterioration. That's what it is, Wayne. clearly. Mm. And just on that point, and I'm sure we've spoken about this before, but the road where I live in is one water, one main water pipe. Yeah. Now, we've been in that particular residence for 
I call it six years. Last week, well, not last week, Tuesday this week, well, yesterday, yeah, it was Monday, it doesn't matter. Early this week, we had our 13th time that that water pipe has burst. We actually keep spare water in containers at home because you never know when you're going to wake up whether the pipes burst or not. So it's burst so many times that every time, it's obviously an old pipe, every time they fix the pipe, it, you get more pressure down the system. It just blows it out somewhere else. So you actually had the counselor out to say, can't we just get a brand new pipe? Because, you I mean, they're here every three or four months fixing a break in the pipe, and it causes chaos because they dig up the road, and then they can't fill the hole up when they fix the pipe because they've got to let the whole thing dry out before you can actually throw all the rubble back in and fix the road. Because if you don't do that, it will just sag as the as the hole dries out. So you have this gaping hole, and you've got to drive around it for probably a month and a half, two months, while it dries out, and then they fill it up again, and then another one bursts. So you literally got almost 50% of your time either with burst pipe or with a hole in the ground. So this this water infrastructure and all of this, this is our next ESCOM. That's what I was going to say. First of all, you've got electricity, which is still not very stable. And now you've got water, which is probably much more important than electricity, actually, I would say. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Wayne, let's not talk about that now. Let's talk about yeah. food. I, yes, I, I, yes. And I sat yes, down. I, about food. I, let's talk about food. I sat down the other night and I thought, I came to this stark realisation that I'm, apart from a regular slice of fish here and there and some shellfish and fish, I, I'm nearly vegan. I don't eat gluten products anymore because my body doesn't like it. I don't eat meat because my body doesn't like it. And also, I, I just think that, you know, eat, eating animals is, is not great for the environment. Whatever the reason, I don't eat meat. I eat yeah. fish, of course. And dairy, I don't eat either. And there are so many vegan products in the shops. And they're actually quite good. Even in the Netherlands, in London, they're fantastic. In the Netherlands, Netherlands is catching up. So I thought to myself, apart from fish, I, I, I'm a vegan. So I'm, I think in the future, I'm not going to have very many good food stories for you. Because now, look, there are some good, there are some good non-meat stories. Eh? I mean, I've had a few truly delicious vegetarian dishes. I told you about the one when I ordered Cape Malay curry. Oh yeah, because I just saw it on a menu and I hadn't seen it for donkey's years. I said, I don't care if it's vegetarian. I want to have Cape Malay curry. Yes. And it was delicious. Make no mistake. And you had the prawn but thing however, the, the, the prawn thing last week. The prawn stroganoff prawns, last week. Yeah, no, the prawn stroganoff was. Look, mm. I, 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 many things will have to change before I stop eating uh, uh, shellfish. Oh, I'm yeah. not a huge fish fan. I'm mm. not a huge fish fan. But I have had some very nice fish. I mean, I had a, just a straight beer batter. Cape whiting and chips with tartar sauce. Lovely. Uh, when I, and it was delicious. I mean, it was truly delicious. But I can tell you another thing why I'm not quite ready to go off meat yet. Last night, mm -hmm. had some lovely grebo bourrevos, just done in a frying pan, you know, the thin bourrevos, not the thick one, the thin bourrevos. Okay. Yes. And I took some mushrooms, sliced the mushrooms up, did that in, in the pan as well after I finished the bourrevos. Added quite a bit of garlic because I like garlic into it. Me too. Little bit of salt, little bit of chili. Got all the mushrooms going. Not overcooked them. They were still a little bit crunchy, but but nicely cooked. Mm -hmm. Put the, then then had this bourrevos with mushrooms with garlic mushrooms with a bit of peri peri, and then Woolworth's soul 
a cheese mushroom sauce ready made. So I heated that up in the microwave and put it all together. It was totally delicious. Very simple meal. Had we had some, we had some. Um, uh, it's called parantha bread. I think it's an Indian bread. You buy it at buy it at spa actually. Yeah. And it's it's, it's it's like a roti, but you fry it in a pan, and it's got it's obviously layered or laminated, and it's got quite a bit of butter in it. So when you fry it in the pan. It actually expands like a balloon. It actually puffs up. It puffs up, up. It exactly. About, I've, I've, I've seen yeah. it. Yeah, it puffs up. Yes. Yeah. It goes about four. It goes into the pan about four millimeters thick, and then when you when it's all hot and ready, it up it puffs up to about <laughs> to twenty, thirty millimeters more, forty millimeters. Mm. It subsides again gradually, but that with those parantha, I think it's parantha bread, mm. and the buravos and the mushrooms was totally delicious. Delicious. <laughs> Okay. In fact, I had the little, I had the leftovers this morning on toast. I'm going to, thank you. I'm going to um, alert you to uh, on a Saturday morning. You've got your head in your in your in your Jaguar motor cars and you're tinkering away. But on a Saturday morning, there's a program on the BBC, BBC One, uh, called Saturday Kitchen Live. Okay, now it's this program that goes on for about an hour and a half. It's very, very good indeed. They have a uh, they have a celebrity, they have a wine expert, and they're drinking in the morning, like nine, ten o'clock in the morning in the UK. Um, yeah. And uh, they, they have a couple of celebrity chefs coming in. Happens in the UK. But what they do is that they take a celebrity, for example, Wayne McCurry, you know, the well-known uh, 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 financial, mar- financial market guru. I might, I, might be, I might be a reasonably well-known food critic, but otherwise that's about it. So anyway, the celebrity uh, Wayne McCurry is in there, and they give you this thing at the beginning and say, what is your food heaven, what is your food hell? And I thought about you when I saw it, yeah. because they'll say, uh, the chap on this, uh, this Saturday's program said, uh, I like, uh, it'll be anything to do with uh, seafood tapas. I would like some grilled calamari, and you know, little tapas dishes, all with prawns and, and uh, calamari and that sort of thing. And his food hell yeah. was lentils and kidneys and liver that sort of thing like one of those stews an awful stew with 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 lentils yeah well I, look i won't touch i won't touch any well no <laughs> i won't touch tripe no i won't touch stomach I'll, 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 mm. i've gone a little bit off liver no i don't know quite why i haven't had liver for a sustained time period but i'll still have the odd kidney, if someone else cooks it, like if I'm staying over at a hotel and it's on the breakfast buffet, yeah. I'll have the odd kidney, but it's not. So my food hell, I can tell you my food hell. When I was a youngster, yes. my parents took my brother and I overseas, and I was about eight years old, I think, somewhere around there. Okay. And we got, we took the boat, went yes. on the, the Windsor Castle. Dennis Castle. Windsor, we went on the Pendennis and we came back in the Windsor, actually. Oh, very good. And, and we got to the UK and we got to Southampton and we climbed off. And, you know, you're on the promenade, you know, with the pier there. And, of course, this is my parents' dream yes. to go. They had, been, they had previously been overseas in 1952 for the Queen's coronation. Oh. And they said, we've got to go and get Bubble and Squeak. Oh, Bubble and Squeak is oh, fantastic. Oh, my goodness. No, I, 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 have, I haven't, I've never tried it since then. It's stuck in my mind since I was eight years old how totally and utterly awful this was. But, but Wayne, what happens and, with and, yeah. Bubble and Squeak comes, I mean, I, I know the, these things, after a really, really big Christmas lunch, you, uh, and, you and your stuff full, people can't eat as much as my mother used to make for, for us, and there were six of us. Um, you just 
put the cabbage and the broccoli and the carrots and the roast potatoes, you put them all together, smash them up, and you put them in a frying pan with butter, and that's bubble and squeak. I don't know what bubble and squeak you're talking no, I, about. Well, look, this is the only time I've ever had bubble and squeak in my life, and I've certainly never wanted to try it again because it's stuck in my mind. And your throat. As an eight-year-old. Mm. And the other thing that stuck in my mind, a, a young, two things stuck in my mind when I went overseas in 1968. Mm -hmm. As a young man from Kimberley. Now, Kimberley's already the backwater of South Africa. And South Africa's one of the backwaters of the world at that stage. Okay. I went to the UK and there was television. Ah, uh, the oh the, my goodness! The goggle box. was that exciting. You didn't get yeah. that until oh. 1975 in South Africa, did you? Was I, don't it? Think, uh, I think it was later than 75, actually. Anyway, yeah, television's an, an amazing thing. Isn't 76 it? in South Africa. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the other thing that stuck in my mind mm. was in South Africa, you could get Wilson sweets and Cadbury sweets. That was it. You know, the selection of sweets, Mars bars, mm. uh, Bounty bars, Maltesers, Toblerones. You didn't have exotic sweets. Twix. They weren't imported into South Africa in those days. Uh, there were no exotic sweets. And I mean, when, you know, the first time you chow a Toblerone bar, I mean, it is, it is delicious. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a little bit too delicious, actually. I, I, in I, fact, I've gone, but now surprising enough, in my old age, yeah, mm. gone a little bit. It sounds, it sounds many people wouldn't believe me, but I've gone a little bit off chocolate. I like cake. I, I, I can eat a eat. I can. I quite. I like cake. I can still have a bit of a pudding, but chocolate itself, a little bit gone off. What, the milk chocolate or the dark chocolate? Because I lean towards, obviously, uh, dark chocolate, them. but occasionally I do have some milk chocolate. Oh, really? Because I'm not a cake person. I'm a chocolate person. So there, there we differ. Okay. All right. Kit Kat is still my favorite, and um, I do like a mm. bounty occasionally. But, Wayne, you've got a five o'clock, I know that, so I'll have to let you go. That's Wayne McCurry, Portfolio Manager at FMB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.